Welcome to A Musician's Life Podcast. This podcast features interviews with a diverse group of musicians in different fields of the music industry, and my intent is that the audience will gain something from each guest's story. This episode features my conversation with Jay Daly. Jay is one of the most in-demand trumpet players in the Northeast. He has performed with artists such as Frank Sinatra, Mel Torme, Tony Bennett, Johnny Mathis, Natalie Cole, Linda Ronsat, and the Moody Blues in venues such as Symphony Hall, the Colonial Theater, the Boston Opera House, Tanglewood, Great Woods, and the Boston Harbor Lights Pavilion. As an educator, Jay is in demand both as a clinician and a private teacher. His students hold playing and teaching jobs across the country. He lives with his wife and daughters in Beverly, Massachusetts, and that's where I sat down with him for this interview. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please email me at amusicianslifepodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at MusicianLifePod. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. Here's my conversation with Jay Daly. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Hampton Beach, New Hampshire. Okay. And uh, were your parents musical? Um, not really. Okay. No. And when did you first start playing an instrument? Well, I picked up the trumpet in fourth grade. Okay. And the rest is history? <laughs> well, <laughs> the rest is history. Um, it was in sixth grade where I kind of got the bug um, because I started working for a funeral home um, and playing taps and making some money. Hmm. And I thought that was the greatest thing is to uh, play my trumpet and get paid for it. Hmm. In so sixth grade, really? Sixth grade, yeah. And how long did that gig last? Well, I've, I've been playing funerals for a long time. <laughs> okay. Uh, but it started in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember playing these 24 notes of taps mm. and making five bucks mm. and thinking that was the greatest thing in the world. So I kind of planted a seed in my mind that that would be cool if I could uh, actually uh, get people to pay me for the rest of my life to play what I what, do, what I love to do, and that is play the trumpet. Yeah, awesome. And, and how were you as a student at that time, like in your middle school years? Well, as a student, I was pretty good mm-hmm. uh, academically, mm-hmm. um, you know. A minus B, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, as a trumpet player, I was not that strong mm-hmm. as a high school kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wanted to be a professional trumpet player, but I wasn't like the best in the in the state. Sure. Um, so it was advised from my band director to uh, uh, major in music ed mm. rather than performance. Mm. So that's what I did. I went to UNH as a music ed major. Okay, and. Uh, and around the middle school and the high school years, who was your first great teacher? Did, did you have someone that you studied specifically? Um, well, my um, my middle school band director was a trumpet and trombone player, so probably mm-hmm. I'd attribute my first great teacher as, as this him. guy. Rolvin Coombs was his name. Okay. So. And uh, what was one of the first concerts that really inspired you as, as a young musician? Um, well... One of the first concerts I ever went to was, um, believe it or not, it was the Beach Boys in Chicago. Oh, wow. And I totally got into uh, those 70s horn bands mm. after hearing Chicago Live. Yeah. I got into Blood, Sweat, and Tears, mm-hmm. um, um, Earth, Wind, and Fire, yeah, that kind of thing. So uh, my next question was, what artists were you interested in at that time? So would you put all those in the category of yeah. artists that you were really interested in listening yeah. to? Yeah, I was, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, my, my favorite trumpet player was uh, Luce Olaf. Okay, well, he was the lead, was he, he was the lead? The, the lead in that guy band. in that, yeah. Um, and so what were some of your favorite albums from that time? 
Um, well, all the Chicago albums mm-hmm. I had. Um, but I got into other other albums too. Okay. This is back in the seventies. Right. Right. I like Jethro Tull, Rolling Stones. Yeah. That kind of thing. So, um, so we're talking right now about like seventies horn band, like great yeah. horn sections. Right. Now I know you also play classical trumpet as right. well as jazz trumpet. Like in that high school, in those high school years, did you were you studying jazz and classical as well as the rock I stuff? Pretty much was <coughs> studying the trumpet. Just general, yeah, uh, and becoming a better trumpet player, mm-hmm. and and then on the outside applying that trumpet playing to whatever styles I was playing, mm. and that's basically how I teach now too. Okay, you know? cool. And then moving on to your college years, you said you went to UNH, yep. and you went for music ed. Yep. Is that correct? That's right. Okay, and um, so who were some of your most influential teachers at that time in your college college years? Well, I went to UNH for the trumpet teacher that taught there, a mm-hmm. guy named Jim West. Okay. And um, he was my biggest inspiration because he was truly a freelancer. Mm. He played in an or- orchestras. He played principal trumpet in orchestras, uh, as well as uh, he'd sit in and play in Dixieland and... and mm. uh, and big band jazz, and, mm. and I love that about him. Yeah, and uh, I kind of m- mirrored that inspiration right. in my own playing. So, in other words, to try to do everything very, very well. Right. Uh, so, uh, who were some fellow students uh, when you were in college that maybe had a particular influence on you? Uh, some like you know contemporary students that you. Were there anybody uh, that stands out? The students that I went to college with? Yeah, exactly. Well, the the trumpet section at UNH when I was there, we were tight. We were close. Yeah. Close friends. Yeah. And uh, we would have sectionals all the time. We would play duets all the time. Mm. Uh, we would listen to music, listen to trumpet players, talk trumpet, mm. um, socialize, all the time, the five of us were just really tight. Yeah. So I would say those guys. Those uh, guys, and, yeah. And one guy lives right uh, right up the street in Ipswich, Tom Palance. Oh, I'm rehearsing with him tonight. Are Very you? Good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Um, and during your college years, did your interest in other styles of music uh, expand? You mentioned like that you were doing the the rock thing and the jazz and the classical, like. Uh, or was it just all? It's just still the concept of like the freelancer that can come into any gig and just kill well i i was as a college kid you are oftentimes a freelancer you know and that's right. basically what i was into yeah um i love the variety of the trumpet mm-hmm. and the trumpet is a great versatile instrument hmm. one of the most versatile of, of right. all the instruments um i really fell in love with the brass quintet in college mm, okay. and as soon as i graduated in 1980 i formed my own brass quintet that started working professionally. Is that the New England Brass? Well, yes, it is the New England Brass. At that time, we started out as the Granite State Brass Quintet. Right. Because we were in New Hampshire. Hampshire yeah. Um, eight years later, when we found ourselves working outside of New Hampshire and in and around New England, we changed our name. Mm, okay. Um, now, moving into your professional career post-college, mm-hmm. did you have a period of transition where you moved from working a day job into being a professional musician or did you land a gig that allowed you to work as a professional musician right away? Well, uh, my goal was to be a professional trumpet player. Mm-hmm. The advice to me was get my music ed degree. Yeah. 
in case I needed to fall back on that. Hmm. Um, graduated from college, ready to make a living as a trumpet player, and I had no gigs. Hmm. So guess what I did? What? I became a full-time music teacher. There you go. <laughs> I took a middle school band job yep. in Merrimack, New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. I was full-time uh, middle school band. And, um, and I did that for three years. And in those three years, I was able to develop enough contacts in and around the Boston area to feel like I could um, put the full-time teaching on hold and maybe someday come back to that. Because mm -hmm. I always enjoyed it. I mm -hmm. enjoyed teaching full-time. Um, but it was getting a little too much to be working every night, you know, doing like eight shows a week in Boston yeah. and teaching five days a week all day. Yeah. And I felt like something had to go. So I put the teaching on hold, mm. always intending to maybe come back as a full-time uh, music in, uh, director, and never did. Mm. Okay. I, I, and since 1983, I have been a full-time freelance trumpet player teaching on the side. So once you established some basic stability in your, in your career, did you customize your practice routine for gigs that you uh, wanted to get? Well, first of all, my practice routine is always evolving mm. and all, always trying to figure out how to practice for the next gig and the gig that I don't quite have mm. uh, to this day. Yeah. Um, it, it is, I, I've never felt like I've settled into one, one practice routine. Sure. And so there's no routine really. Good. Um, but I do. And have always tried to practice for all the gigs every day. Yeah. Um, and you're basically trying, as a trumpet player, trying to uh, play comfortably mm -hmm. loud, mm -hmm. soft, high, low, yeah. fast, and slow. Yeah. Um, it, that's as a basic trumpet player. Right. Um, then in addition to that, you add the uh, stylistic things. Sure. I always play uh, different etudes mm -hmm. every day. And then um, the third part of my practicing is basic, you know, either orchestral excerpts. Mm -hmm. Last week I played um, the Mozart Requiem mm -hmm. with a group. So I'm getting out my C trumpet. I'm playing orchestral excerpts, mm -hmm. prepared, preparing for that gig. Um, some weeks I might play jazz, mm. you know, as the third part of my practice session. Right. Um, so I'm trying to always improve on that mm -hmm. aspect. That's improvisation. Sure. Um, it's, it's always, um, something and it's, it's in constant motion. So Jay, what does your current work situation look like? All right. Well, um, um, I'm basically, I basically think of myself as a freelance trumpet player. Mm -hmm. So I'm bouncing all around doing different things. Mm -hmm. um, like last week I did this Mozart Requiem for the, um, for the Con Concord Chorale in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. um, this coming week I'm playing Jekyll and Hyde with, um, with a community uh, uh, theater group. Mm -hmm. um, this coming Sunday, I'm doing a full recital with the New England Brass on Nantucket Island. Hmm. Um, so you can see that's a it's a whole variety of things. Right. All right. So my mind and practice session this week is to get completely com 
uh, prepared for this recital. Right. Um, we've gone through rehearsals, and I just have to make sure that my piece of the puzzle is ready to go mm-hmm. for Sunday. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and then after that, May gets into um, graduation season. Mm-hmm. So the New England Brass does twelve graduations. Mm. Um, and um, I do a, a Monday night big band down in Providence mm-hmm. on a semi-regular basis. Um, playing lead on that. I got to get prepared for that whenever mm-hmm. I do this. Um, and then in June, we start the uh, North Shore Music Theater season. Mm-hmm. We start out with Funny Girl. Um, and that's uh, about 17 or 18 weeks from June through December. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And uh, can you talk about what your job is like, at what you do at the North Shore Music Theater? Well, I'm the contractor, mm-hmm. personal director. So the um, the house determines how many musicians they want for the show. Mm-hmm. They, want, they, they determine how much they want to pay for the orchestra. Mm-hmm. And then say they say, I want, to, want 12 musicians for Funny Girl. Um, then I bring that number to the musical director who's hired out in New York. I said, okay, how do you want to use those 12 players? Mm-hmm. And he researches it and says, um, okay, I want uh, two trumpets, uh, a trombone and French horn, three reeds, uh, rhythm section, including guitar, and he, he fills out the 12. Mm-hmm. And then it's my job to go out, go ahead and uh, hire the right person for the chair. Okay. And uh, can you talk a little bit about star attractions and what that what that term means? I know they have some of that at the North Shore Music Theater, but also around Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, the act comes in to the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, we usually rehearse, say, around 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon uh, for about three or four hours and then do the concert that night. Okay. So uh, does the star come to the rehearsal usually? Sometimes. Sometimes? Sometimes yeah. not. Yeah. When I played Frank Sinatra, mm-hmm. I didn't see him until the uh, we played his overture. Mm. Uh, so he Where did, was that? That was at Symphony Hall. Okay. Um so the first time I saw him was for the second or even third tune mm-hmm. of the night. Yeah. And by the time I got off stage at the end of the night, he was in his limo. Gone. His, his yeah. Away. Yeah. So uh, basically the star comes in with their rhythm section and any specific instrumentation they travel with. Right. And a music director. And a music director. And the music yeah. director is the one that rehearses us. Yeah. Gets, gets the act ready to go musically. Yeah. And uh, we keep an eye on him, follow him. He tells us when to play at what tempo. Yeah, gotcha. So. I remember once I saw Aretha at the Opera House in Boston, and then the curtain comes up, and it's like Jeff Galindo, Scott Aruda. It was just like exactly. all the you know exactly. those guys. Yeah, and that was a star track. Yeah, yeah. I've played Aretha Franklin many times. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, awesome. Yeah. How about uh, have you played Marvin Gaye? I have not played Marvin Gaye, but I've I've played um, a lot of that those Motown acts. Mm. Um, forever those Motown acts would always hire a, a local, local brass section. section. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Spinners, the Four Tops, yeah. the Temptations, yeah. uh, Aretha, yeah. you know, um, Diana Ross, you know, all awesome. those. Yeah, it was yeah. great. Um, so do you have any financial principles that you've held on to that have helped you achieve your current situation and potential future situations? Uh, try to make as much money as possible to, yeah. to, to be able to feed my family. Yeah, it's uh, a trick. <laughs> that's the trick. That's the trick, yeah. <laughs> it's a big trick. 
Yeah. Uh, as far as principles, um, well, you know, a lot of work comes in, mm -hmm. and there's oftentimes conflicts. Mm -hmm. And you have to deal with conflicts, and, and I I deal with them um, with myself as yeah. a sideman, and also as a um, as a personnel director. I deal with the players that I hire and their conflicts. Mm. So I get to see just how people handle those conflicts and the principles that they they have dealing with that. Mm. Um, for example, I'll book a gig. Mm -hmm. And another gig will can come in on the same night. Hmm. Um, you pretty much want to stick to that first gig. Yeah. Um, you're committed. Yeah. Except if the second gig, if if it's substantially more money. Yeah. Um, then it's how to handle that. Yeah. All right. So you go to the first contractor and say, "I got this this other gig. It pays so much more money." Um, I have another player lined up for you, mm. so that's a principle that that I I like to like to do is uh, make, yeah, make sure that first person is is taken care of. Um, but um, you know that happens sometimes. Sure, that that's something that I, for the first time last fall, I was so busy that that happened to me a handful of times, mm -hmm. and I. I subbed out the gig multiple times with the same person right. and it was looking back on it. It was a huge mistake because yeah. now, you know, I gave him names of some other great mm -hmm. drummers that filled in, did a great job mm -hmm. and I canceled on them like four times mm -hmm. and now they're not calling me and it makes total sense sure. because they've got somebody great that'll do it all the time right. and it's well, that's what you factor in when you cancel a gig. Yeah. yeah that possibility. I, I didn't quite, it hadn't quite happened to me before, mm -hmm. so yeah. now I'm kind of like, oh, okay, sure. good lesson. Sure, yeah, um, you kind of have to look at the long run and your commitment and your word. Yeah, uh, it's 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 a tough situation, um, but I deal with it all the time. It not not only with me as a side man, but, but with guys uh, you hire, with guys that I hire. Sure, it's it, it, there's there's shuffling all the time. Yeah, and um, I actually enjoy watching these guys and how they handle those Getting situations jobs <laughs> right exactly <laughs> in terms of having the music ed degree you started out with the kind of concept of like i'm going to get a music ed degree mm -hmm. and i can always fall back on that um and, and fell back on it <laughs> right but you're but you're not like teaching full time right, right. at a at a school sure. um do you feel like Looking back on that, the music ed degree was definitely the thing to do, or do you think maybe you should have gone for the performance thing? And or you know, how do you feel about that? I struggle with that. Yeah, I don't know. And and you and you you can't look too hard up at um, that issue. Hmm. Um, but I do wonder. Yeah. Um, and I have uh, a number of students over the years that uh, that are in the same position, and mm -hmm. they're studying with me. Yeah. And they say, I don't know, what, what do you think? Should, am I good enough to make it? And um, and I tell them exactly what was advised to me. Mm -hmm. uh, it's always nice to get a music ed degree in case mm. you want to fall back on it. But I also say, but wouldn't it be cool to just go for it? Yeah. Like maybe I could have. Right. Like just go for it 100%. Like, and go to a, an amazing school. Yeah. Like, like the New England Conservatory of Berkeley or yeah. Manhattan. 
And uh, if it doesn't work out, huh, doesn't yeah. work out. Yeah. Um, and that has happened. Sure. I've had uh, students that have gone to these amazing schools, gone for it a hundred percent, and hasn't quite worked out for them. But I have never met anyone who's regretted that. Yeah. Yeah. They don't regret it. They they're happy they did it. Yeah. They learned something. Yeah. About absolutely. life. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're and they're doing exactly what they want to do, really. Yeah. In the bigger picture. Yeah. Exactly. So. I could answer. Yeah, who knows? Great. Uh, so I want to ask you really quick about, I believe it's Charles Schluter. Mm-hmm. Is the trumpet play trumpet player from yeah. the? He played uh, principal trumpet in the Boston Symphony for uh, I don't know twenty years or so. Yeah, and uh, did you ever have any interaction with him, or did you ever study with him? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I um, just on a freelance scene. I just um, studied with him. Probably took four or five lessons with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, those four or five lessons were they were they like spaced out over the course of some years, or was it like a short month? A couple month period where you took the lessons, or yeah, it was a short amount of time, probably um, three or four months. Okay, did you feel like he was one of the great teachers you've ever like? Did he have a lot of insight, or um, he was into he was a great teacher, yeah, and, and a fantastic trumpet player. Hmm. Um, loved his playing with the symphony. Mm-hmm. I uh, I always felt he was one of the last stylists uh, in orchestra principal playing. Um, in that he exerted his own thing, hmm. um, like they used to back in the 30s and 40s, hmm. you know, like Roger Porzen and and uh, Bud Hersop and those guys. Um, I find that today's principal trumpet players, um, they all sound the same. Hmm. Um, so Charlie Schuller was one of the last ones. Um, he was a good teacher. He was into his this own thing. Hmm. He was into the Monet trumpet and how to how to best play this particular kind of trumpet. Mm. Um, and I got into that for a while. Mm. Um, although I never bought a Monet trumpet, um, but I got into that concept of how to play. Mm. Uh, big equipment, big fat, round um, sound. Mm. And, uh, and, it, and it helped my playing tremendously. Mm. All right. Well, Jay, Le- Jay Daly, thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Andrew. This episode was produced and edited by me, Andrew Jones. The theme song was a collaboration between Matt Pendergast and myself. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe in the podcast app and leave a review. Also, please consider making a donation on our homepage at www.andrewhalljones.com. You'll see a link for A Musician's Life. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please email me at amusicianslifepodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at musicianlifepod. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening, and remember, time with music is time well spent.